reading today is from Isaiah 53 verses 1 to 6. Uh, Grab a Bible if you want to follow along. Isaiah 53 verse 1 is where we are starting. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is God's word to us. And let me ask you, How much does our world need peace and healing right now? I can't hear your answer, of course, but I'm guessing you would say quite a lot, perhaps a whole lot. There is a lot of discord at the moment, a lot of unsettledness, and there is obviously a lot of sickness as well, a lot of illness. And God wants to give us peace and healing. And this is what our message is about today. This is the message of the cross. And we have been working through a series called The Message of the Cross. And throughout this series, we have been largely working from the New Testament. And rightly so, as all of the New Testament, all of the Bible after Jesus reflects on his cross and what he did on it. All of it is built on the cross. It is all cross-shaped, we could say. But the cross was planned long before Jesus was nailed to it. God had it in mind long before the first Easter. In fact, it has always been his plan. And this means we can find Jesus and his cross in the Old Testament. And our passage today from Isaiah 53, and it, and it should really include a few verses from the end of Isaiah 52, is probably the clearest Old Testament passage about the cross of Jesus and what he did for us. This passage is usually called the suffering servant passage, And it actually runs from Isaiah 52 verse 12 through to the end of Isaiah 53. And it's my belief we should read this passage every Easter. It is that important, that precious to us. If we could memorize this passage, that would be hugely beneficial to us. And I put that challenge out to you. But our six verses ask two questions of us. Firstly, they ask, can we identify Jesus? Do we recognize Jesus? his revelation to us? And secondly, can we understand his work for us? Do we truly understand his message for us? Because if we do, then peace and healing can be ours. Peace and healing can be ours. So let's get into it. And verse 1 said, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, we are reading a prophecy here, and while it might sound like it is speaking in the past tense for us, it is really calling us to think about ourselves. Have we 
believed this message? Have we recognized this arm of the Lord? Basically, it's calling for a response from us. Where are we in relation to the suffering servant that it speaks of? Do we understand what he has done for us? And these two descriptions here, belief in a message and recognition of the Lord's arm, are both saying the same thing. The person and work of the suffering servant, the the arm of the Lord, as he is described here, is the message we are to believe. Basically, it's saying, have we seen God's arm, God's work in the servant of his, and do we understand it for what it is? Do we believe it? And we know this is talking about Jesus for a bunch of reasons that we'll get to soon. But a big reason is that the Apostle Paul in the New Testament quotes this exact verse in Romans 10 verses 16 and 17 to talk about Jesus and the cross. That's really helpful, isn't it? It clears it up for us. Paul saw that this was all about Jesus and his work. And I want to take these two questions Uh, in reverse order. So firstly, the question of, has the arm of the Lord been revealed to us? And then secondly, to look at the person and work of the suffering servant. So firstly, the revelation of the arm of the Lord. And the Bible uses this phrase, the arm of the Lord, uh, to refer to God's action, God's strength, God's embodiment to act. Now, This action could be to do different things. It could be to punish, uh, but it was often to save. It was often to redeem. And this is where our next few verses come in, because verses 2 and 3 describe this arm of the Lord. Now, when you picture the arm of God, I bet you don't imagine a small arm, do you? This is God we're talking about. Uh, Surely he will have a strong arm, a powerful arm. And this is what makes these verses so surprising. Listen to them again. Listen to verses 2 and 3. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Now, I'm not a gambling man, but I'd put money on that not being the description of an arm of the Lord you were expecting. Now, this is a surprising revelation. If anything, what sticks out to us about the servant, this arm of the Lord, is that he is vulnerable. We're told he arose like a tender shoot out of the dry ground. He is also unremarkable physically, with nothing physically impressive to draw us to him. He had no beauty, no majesty, nothing we're told in his physical appearance that we would notice him. Did you hear that? It is telling us that Jesus had nothing physically remarkable about himself. I don't know about you, but if, if you feel physically unremarkable some days, maybe most days, then there is a good chance you are like Jesus. Because no one, we're told here, would pay him a second look in a room. And to top it all off, we are told that this servant 
This arm of the Lord is despised and rejected by people. There is nothing physically oppressive about it, but the icing on his life is is that people were embarrassed by him, so embarrassed of him that they wanted to avoid looking at him. Now, this is a surprising revelation, isn't it? And yet this is what God says that his servant, his arm, will be like. And this is who we see in Jesus, isn't it? He is the arm of the Lord who surprises us, who isn't what we would expect. You know, the the Gospels, the records of Jesus's life tell us nothing about his physical appearance. Nothing. We're told more about his physical appearance here in Isaiah 53 than anywhere else in the New Testament. We won't recognize the arm of the Lord, this servant, by his physical appearance. If we don't know what he has done for us, then we will look away for Jesus. We wouldn't pay him a second glance. In fact, we may be like the people who despised and rejected him. And this is why Isaiah turns us now to understanding God's work, God's action in Jesus rightly. Because this is how we will recognize him. This is how we will recognize the arm of the Lord and understand his message for us. Verse 4 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. The truth God tells us through the prophet Isaiah here is that while Jesus might look like he was being punished by God, the reality is very different. It's the opposite. This servant was bearing our pain and suffering. Not God's pain, not his suffering, but ours. And note here how many times in verses 4 to 6 the words our, we, and us are used. Seriously, count them up. The focus is on what the servant, this arm of the Lord, is really doing for us, for you and me. And pastors throughout the years have called this surprising realization of Jesus and his cross the great substitution sometimes also known as penal substitution, because our penalty was given to him and his righteousness given to us. Look, perhaps we will never use that phrase. In fact, we're probably unlikely to use that phrase. But do we understand what Isaiah is telling us about Jesus? That he wasn't punished by God for anything he had done. No, he was punished for us. He was punished to take up our pain and to bear our sufferings. And verse 5 continues filling out this understanding of Jesus' work for us, saying, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Yes, a great substitution has happened for us in Jesus' cross. But the point of it, the point of it was to bring us peace and healing. This is the goal of the message of the cross. This is the point of Jesus' life and work on earth. And isn't it wonderful the way it is put here? His punishment to bring us peace. His piercing and crushing brings us healing. 
And we need to speak for a moment about when this peace and healing happens. Is it a reality now or just later? And the answer well, is actually option C. The peace, This peace with God and healing from God is a reality now, is a reality in this life, but only in part. And it's a fairly small part. God does heal. Uh, we do have peace with God. But this healing now is very limited. And we still live in a world that is not at peace. We still lack peace in parts in our lives. Then and only then, when we come into his kingdom, when we enter his presence in heaven, will we know the fullness of the peace and healing that Jesus has given to us. And verse 6 tells us that Jesus can save us, whoever we are, saying, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all feel our differences and judge ourselves and others in comparison to ourselves. We're not as bad as them. We're better than those people over there. But whoever we are and whatever we have done, the reality in God's eyes is that we've all, all gone our own way from him. All of us. And while that might make us individual, before God, it actually makes us all sheep. All heading away from him as one big flock. All breaking his standards. All turning our backs on him. But his servant, this suffering servant, has had our sin, our iniquity, as it's described here, laid on him, on his back. He has borne it because we could not. Whoever we are, it is he who is our peace and healing with God. And oh, we need to remember this, and our world needs to hear it. So what does all of this mean for us? What does this prophecy in Isaiah call for us to do? And it divides us into two groups. Group one are those who have recognized Jesus as the suffering servant for them. The one who has laid his life down and suffered and died in their place. They understand the cross as a substitution to save them. Look, these are Christians and Isaiah calls for them, for us, to make this message, this revelation known. As 2 Corinthians 5 puts it, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, that last line, saying God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, that sounds a lot like what Isaiah prophesied, doesn't it? And we are bearers of this message. We are representatives of God. We are continuing the mission of Jesus in this world, imploring, imploring to the world to be reconciled to God, to have a relationship restored with him. 
Now, most of us, most Christians know this. We know that whatever we do in life, whatever occupation we have, whether we're teachers, whether we're truck drivers, we all have a shared mission in making disciples, as Jesus put it in the Great Commission. That's why we have it in our mission statement here at St. Andrews, that we are to make disciples. But Isaiah brings a practical application to this. Isaiah tells us that the point of the message is that we might know peace with God and healing from God. And this means something for us as ambassadors. This means we should have eyes for those who are restless in this world, who have no peace. This means we should have ears for those who are in pain, who know that things aren't right, either in them or around them. And it means that we should have hearts for those who are struggling and know they can't save themselves. Because peace with God will bring the healing of God. Not fully in this life, but the promise is that it will come fully. Revelation 21 speaks of this peace and healing, which we have in part now, but we know fully later. It tells us, it gives us a picture saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. He doesn't want us isolated, as it turns out. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain or COVID-19. I just added that in. For the old order of things has passed away. And it will pass away because of the Saviour we have. A Saviour, a suffering servant who has taken our sin upon himself. And has given us a promise, a promised home, who has sent the Holy Spirit and who has commissioned us as well to continue his mission. Church, let's get to it. Let's have eyes for those who need peace and healing, for this is why our Saviour came and this is why we are sent as well. And this brings us to our second group. As you have likely guessed, they are everyone else. They are those who haven't recognized Jesus as the arm of the Lord for them, who haven't recognized him as their savior. And perhaps that's you today. Perhaps you have heard of Jesus before, but you've never heard it explained as Isaiah does, that he was a servant, a suffering servant to save you from your wrongs. That he died to give you peace and healing with God. A peace that you get to have now and a healing that you are promised fully. Well, friend, Jesus is for you as well. Your wrongs, whatever they are, are not so great that Jesus won't receive you. Your sins are not so heavy that Jesus has not borne them already. He can release them, you from them and indeed be your peace, your peace with God and the world. He can be your healing too 
if you will believe. And that belief means accepting him. That belief means confessing your need of him. That belief means trusting him to make you right with God and then following him, trusting him with the rest of your life as well. And this is the blessing that our opening psalm spoke of, a blessing that even death cannot steal from you. That you, that if you truly believe and follow him, you will have lasting peace and a lasting healing. Let's pray together. Almighty God, I do indeed give thanks that it was your plan, not ours, to send your son as a servant for us. And oh, what a servant he is. Indeed, a suffering servant who would suffer all of our sin to restore us to a relationship with you. And what a wonder this is. It is hard for us to get our minds around and our hearts around. But your word tells us again and again it is true. It is your plan. And it is good news for us and for this world. And so we do indeed rejoice again in you today. And your goodness, your amazing goodness, your surprising goodness to us in Jesus, your son. And O oh Lord, for us who know you, we commit ourselves to your mission. Yes, Jesus, to taking you out into this world and making you known that you are indeed the arm of the Lord, our suffering servant and its suffering servant as well. May we have eyes and ears for those people who need peace and healing. May we indeed make you known and see a harvest for your glory. And Lord, for anyone who has heard of you today, and they do not know you, I pray that they would indeed trust you right now, and that they would know your peace and healing for them too. I pray this in your name. Amen. 